Welcome to Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah. Brand new last night. I wanted to be a virgin with you, so I don't watch a lot. Are they in Chicago? Yes. Shit, relatable moment. They're in a real city. That's interesting. They're in a real city and not talking about it like, you know, ooh, a city. Like last week, as Matt said, they pronounced Seattle with three parentheses around it. Well, they really did. Well, sometimes they do it in just a generic, you know, utopian, like, small European, you know, countries. Well, yeah, usually, like, it's these utopian small towns, but then the cities are, like, where they flee from, right? Like, they have to get away. What is this called? Christmas Under the Stars. So today, on this episode of Hallmarked Up, we just finished watching Christmas Under the Stars with Jesse Metcalf and Autumn Reese or something like that. And we welcome a special guest this week. We do. Our special guest is Angela. Howdy. Hello. Angela, of course, is new to the program, however, not new to what we do. So we'll start off by recapping this week's movie, where we are introduced to, first off, Nick, Jesse Metcalf's character, who is a high-flying, some kind of investment person, who, unfortunately, in kind of the first five minutes, loses his job. We're also introduced to our heroine, uh, Julie who is a school teacher and a single mom who has recently lost her father. And luckily she has a father figure in the form of an elderly Christmas tree salesman, uh, Clem, who runs a Christmas tree lot and seems to be quite the parental figure here. She also has um, discovered that uh, she's racked up quite a bit of debt from her father's medical bills, apparently, and um, the insurance company is coming after her. She has a young kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe. He's probably 10. I don't know. You probably would get, be a better guess at this, Angela, than us. Since you have kids. He is in grade 7, and she knows him, so maybe grade 6, so about 11, 10, 11. Okay. Perfect. Good, okay. good. Yeah, cool. That I mean, was our guess. We weren't too bad. He's called Matt. He is also a very big fan of Clem from the Christmas Tree Farm. We find out later Matt is actually adopted, which is important because, as we know in these movies, when you have a single mom, it can never be a divorcee and it can never be an unwed mother. So it either has to be a widow or an adoption. So this leaves open the possibility, by the way, that both Julie and Matt are virgins, as Hallmark likes to do. That's right, which is pretty <laughs> spectacular. So, oh, Clem also is uh, our token person of color who runs the Christmas tree lot. This takes place in Chicago, again, and like very metropolitan movie location. However, it doesn't seem very Chicago to us because it doesn't seem cold very much. Nor windy. Nor windy. True, nor very windy. No colder wind. Nobody wears hats. No one wears scarves. So we kind of go through some like very typical things. Nick brings them a Christmas. Oh, actually, after Nick. Oh, Nick loses his job. Yes. And he takes Clem up on a standing offer for a job at the Christmas tree lot, which is how Nick and Julie become acquainted. And of course, we have the usual 
awkward scenes of Nick bonding with Julie's child and catching Julie's eye. Yes, Nick does an amazing transformation that we actually quite enjoyed in this movie where he went from a suit-wearing high flyer to a flannel-wearing Christmas tree lot worker. Which really allows us to knock out multiple bingo spaces here because as we know, in Hallmark movies, it's always either a suit-wearing like CEO and or Wall Street type or like the flannel-wearing down-home boy and like never anything in between. Now we have both in one man. Yes, I'm wearing flannel. Angela's pointing this out right now. <laughs> I, I've take, I've discovered this year how much I love flannel. I didn't used to wear that much flannel in the fall and winter, and now I do again. It's Blame only this because you're working this. On that this must podcast. be it. That That's must totally be it. Why. It gives you inspiration. That's it right. gives me inspiration. Yes, this is actually men's flannel from Costco, so I, I could be a Hallmark man right now. That's right. Nick, obviously, very sort of throughout the movie, is getting to know Julie and Matt. Like Mary said, she loves the kid. He's obviously going to fall in love with Julie because what Hallmark movie would be if it didn't. They kind of, I don't know, like there's just not a lot of substance to this one. We could almost skip the entire other little subplots. So as often happens in Hallmark movies, there are actually very few barriers to Nick and Julie getting together. And so the conflicts that have to be introduced in some way are either kind of forced or artificial or just downright non-existence. We just get them like, you know, making eyes to each other for multiple scenes at a time. They held um, hands at the Christmas tree lighting ceremony, yeah. which apparently in the city of Chicago is only attended by like 20 people. Right. <laughs> so so I, I, we live in Philly, which is I don't think as big as Chicago. And I know there's way more than 20 people at the Christmas tree lighting in Philly. Incidentally, Sarah and I were both at last year's Christmas tree lighting in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, I, I, it was in front of City Hall on the night that I got my marriage license. And so my now husband and I happened to be there when it was happening. Exactly. And I was getting a new job that same night in the city. So the, the Christmas tree lighting, although we both attended and didn't realize we were both there, actually had meaning for both of us in our lives. And there were enough people there that we could both be there and not realize the other was there. That's right. Because this is had a real Had we been at the city. one in Chicago, however, we would have right. definitely seen each other. Because there was only 20 people at the Christmas tree lighting. And they didn't even claim to live in like the safe suburbs of Chicago. So they definitely were supposed to be downtown, I think. And it was bizarre. I mean, they were in the middle of like skyscrapers all the time. So like, yeah. But skyscrapers with tons of stars in the sky. 60 degrees though. Right. 60 degrees. And she was some kind of like science teacher. So there was a lot of like planet references. She does this event where she's going to like have a night sky viewing in downtown Chicago (laughs) where they don't even like leave the city to see all the stars, which as we know, you know, I mean, they have the planetarium in Chicago to be fair, but like, I don't think that's what she was talking about. But they didn't go there. Yeah, they didn't go there. So, so then sort of as the story continues, Clem at one point falls down at the Christmas tree lot. He lives there, of course, in a trailer camper esque thing. It actually was like a, an airstream. He has an airstream. And he's also, Clem, and this is one of the few, like, there. Clem has two problems, and these are some of the only problems that occur in the entire movie. One is that he's lost his wife relatively recently, so we see a picture of her a lot, and actually when he falls, he breaks the frame on this picture, and so, of course, on Christmas Eve, he is presented by Nick with a brand new picture frame for the picture. And the other is that um, there, he, he seems to be, like, losing his Christmas tree lot or something. Maybe the space is going away, I think, Yeah, the city. And so, but this gets resolved in the end. We'll get there. Well, Um, so yeah, Clem hurts his hand, but don't worry. Julie, luckily Julie and Matt are off school 
and of course Nick as well. So they kind of run the lot without him while he's getting stitches, which apparently takes a couple of days. But the EMS come and the EMS paramedics are ones that have volunteered at the lot for 10 years. Oh, wow. So, uh, so his buddies come to stitch him up and bring him to, to 10 for him. And, he, and he's, and he's all good. Now, Nick in the meantime has like still been interviewing for some jobs, but now he is inspired by Julie and her like goodwill towards humans and because he wants to become a, a socially conscious investment banker. Like, that's a thing. Uh, sorry, it fills with class rage. Anyways, <laughs> um, so this brings us to the only real conflict that seems to be presented at any point on the road to yes. Julie and Nick becoming Julie and Nick. And that is that while Julie is struggling um, with all of these medical debts from her deceased father that she claims are all bills that have been paid, but now her debt's been sold, et cetera, et cetera. She finds out that the company that is like threatening her with what we're not exactly sure was actually a client of Nick's. And so she's, you know, really upset with him that he was essentially like enabling these sort of predatory, predatory, sorry, debt collectors and, you know, helping them to make money. And that's, you know, of course, the only real barrier to their relationship. And it's resolved by Nick becoming a friendly, socially conscious capitalist, which is definitely a thing as all of the, as all of Wall Street wants you to believe and definitely very real and definitely not just bullshit that they feed us. Narrator voice, it's bullshit that they feed us. Then amazingly, Nick's father turns up who we've sort of not mentioned has been a bit absent. He goes to Sydney. To was Sydney, was that it? No, his name his is Sydney. Name is oh, his Sydney. name is Sydney. Of course his name is Sydney. He, he's always away for the holidays. He's also some kind of high-flying investment person. But he returns, seems to like fit into this merry lifestyle quite easily. Doesn't really judge Nick for working at this thing. Nick has to fess up to him and tell him he actually got laid off, which he kind of kept that a secret for a little while. He but, says, I'm proud of you for who you are. Oh, yeah. So he's proud now that he's socially conscious and everything's going to be great. I also want to point out, um, Nick didn't actually get laid off. Nick got fired. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you're right. You're right. Something. Yeah. But, but, but I feel like it was because they lost a client, though. It wasn't yeah. like he did a bad job. But that client is specifically the client that, that can you say screwed on this project? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's okay. explicit. He, 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 <laughs> he, he, he lost a client that screwed Julie uh, uh, in terms of medical debt. Which is the same company that um, that was the onus white got fired. That's and true. It's the same company that led him to his socially conscious job because they bought over that debt and they're restructuring it so that all will be right and good in the world. See, of course. So then, while they're at the Christmas tree lot, everyone's like happy families. They're opening presents. The interview lady from this new socially conscious potential firm turns up in her socially conscious Tesla. And a blue, one. <laughs> a blue one, which, hello, that's a new sponsorship, Hallmark. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh. Gone are the Folgers product placements. That was a very new sponsorship. Oh. They, they've, they've gotten they've If gotten Tesla bigger is getting in on the Hallmark scene, there oh. are some serious things happening in this world. But anyway, so she turns up and she tells them that uh, immediately Nick introduces Julie to her because Julie's his inspiration for the socially conscious choice of work. And, and tells her that in a way that is not at all awkward and not at all like when they, you know, bring an orphan on stage at like a benefit concert or yeah, something like it that. It was very strange. One, that the woman would even turn up at all, but of course she does. And then Nick introduces her. And then we realize, as Angela informed us, that they're going to amazingly look at 
restructure the debt and look at each case by case to see whether or not what was that word they used that you love, Mary? The cases of like illegitimate debt. Illegitimate, illegitimate. Would be dismissed. Which and of we're course... we're assuming, of course, that uh, Julie's debt is going to fall into this thing, and so everything's going to be fine. Because she claims she paid all the bills, but the companies claim that she did. And I, yeah, I, 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 this prompted a rant for me that Angela and Sarah had to listen to about how, like, can we talk about the fact that the phrase illegitimate medical debt is even a thing? Because that suggests there's such a thing as legitimate medical debt, because that accept, suggests that it's totally cool and normal and okay for people to go into debt because they got sick. But anyways, moving on. But we had to sort of wrap it all up and everything's going to be fine. But we don't know about anyone else's medical debt, but we are pretty sure Julie's is going to be fine. Amazingly, somehow, the, as we thought, the lot was going to disappear, but Julie had some connection at the city, and Clem's going to get to be able to be there more, and he's getting a bit older, but Julie and Nick and Matt will, who knows, maybe the EMSs will all come to the rescue and like work at the Christmas tree lot forever and ever and ever. And then at the very end of the movie, they're at his apartment, and that's kind of the end, everything is happy. They kiss on the balcony for kind of like no apparent reason because they haven't done it before. And we look out to the and night they've been dating sky. dating like a month at this point, by yeah, the way. Yeah, not even, I don't think. Well, I'd say three weeks. Yeah. They've been dating three weeks and this is apparently their first kiss and they're grown-ass adults, but whatever. Yeah, and they look out <laughs> of the balcony and again, this dark sky of Chicago has a million stars and it's stunning and we even see like the famous sort of bubbly apartment building in Chicago, all decorated in Christmas tree lights. And that sort of summarizes Christmas Christmas Under under the the stars. Stars. That's a good bingo. Congratulations. Okay, so let's talk about our um, Hallmark bingo moments. I have to admit, there were a couple for me that I would have one that was a bit unexpected and one that was not. So knowing, and I'm going to mention both of them, knowing that this was a movie about a Christmas tree lot, like that is a typical space on the Hallmark bingo card. But I think they drank cocoa in a Christmas tree lot about five times in this movie. That's true. So that was a bit of overkill on the Hallmark bingo. If you were like multiple carding it up, you probably would have done very well. But um, you would have been pissed off if you only had one bingo card, I think. The other thing that we didn't talk about uh, that I actually mentioned in a previous episode, but this is still one of my favorites, is someone made partner. So his friend actually ended up getting the promotion to become partner in his old firm after he got fired from that job. And I always love the partner ones because everyone who aims to be a partner never actually gets to be a partner. It's always someone else. So that's my Hallmark Christmas bingo moment. What about you, Angela? What was your favorite cheesiest moment in the movie? So I think that the uh, uh, cheesiest moment was when uh, he said, I don't want to just make money. I want to make a difference. So it was a hard sell. So that was the bingo moment. That was the bingo moment. Yeah, I guess the biggest one for me I've kind of already mentioned, which is the fact that we had the suit-wearing love interest and the flannel-wearing love interest. That's two bingo spaces in one. Wrapped into one man. Like, Jesse Metcalf is... That's a hard He's the role. ultimate, like, the hashtag ultimate Hallmark. Hallmark. Yeah. yeah, really. Absolutely. Hunks of Hallmark. If you're listening to this, like, 
that's every character that's the two male characters in one role yeah which is amazing but without the typical hallmark hair and i appreciated this this is i think the first movie we've seen so far this season where he did not have a side part in slick back hair he had like kind of spiky short hair yeah he, he so less product is what you're saying I mean, I think there was still a lot of product. Less definition. Less length, less definition. Less and sculpting. Less, less sculpting. Uh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. And and to be fair, Jesse Metcalf is a Hallmark regular. He's on a TV show on Hallmark. So maybe he gets like a hall pass because he is already a man of Hallmark and he's not new to the scene. Now, what Jesse or Nick rather uh, lacked in hair product Julie definitely made up for because when she first came on screen, Sarah was like, Oh, I love her hair. It looks good. And we all agreed. Her hair looked very nice. Then we noticed it literally never moved. It like (laughs) she was a bit like, remember Rosie from the Jetsons who had like plastic hair? Like she was, it was a bit like that. It flipped out a bit at the bottom. Didn't matter what her head did. Her hair hair just, her hair just stood still. And that does kind of bring us to the the next segment, I think, uh, where we have to try and find our hashtag relatable moment. And I did initially write down that I liked her hair and that she was well dressed, but like as the movie went on, we had to kind of scratch that because it just was too fake. And no one's hair is like that perfect all the time and does not move unless you have somebody who works on it all day. So that's definitely not relatable for me. But the only thing I could think of post that was that she drives a Subaru, and no! so do I. So that was my hashtag relatable moment. My first car was a 1995 Legacy. I drove it until, oh, 2017. <laughs> that awesome. car treated me well. That car treated they, me they well. They always do. They're very reliable and 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 Four wheel drive for that Chicago, Chicago. weather. You know? Exactly. You know, I'm not I... sure how you park that on Chicago streets, but then again, she seemed to have a garage inexplicably. In, so. in Chicago, exactly. In Chicago, yeah, and I don't know. I love my Subaru. This is my second one. And I think it was wise of her as a mother to have a... She even had like an Outback, I think, which is like where I draw the line. That's a bit too soccer mom for me. But um, Our Outback was named Godzilla. Oh, nice. See, look, three three Subaru drivers here. So very Guys, relatable. We, we'll, we'll get our first corporate sponsor now. That's right. <laughs> Not Tesla, but we're glad that Subaru is in the Hallmark movies because that's a real Christmas car. <laughs> that's a car you can fit a Christmas tree well, in. Well, it's a Christmas tree hauling car, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's and if there's snow, the car's not going to break down on the side of the road. Like, if every, arr, arr. If, all Mar- if all Hallmark heroines drove Subarus, they would never be pulled off on the side of the road, which right. often happens in some of these movies. Right, and so then many of them would not meet their true loves, but, you know. That's right. But that's Crosswalk Disney, so. Right. True, true, true. Did you have a hashtag relatable moment? <laughs> uh, and then I think that most believable is we all have some form or fashion, some sort of pressure that we try to live up to, to our family, to mm. our father, to our mother, to a father figure, yep. to your mentor, something like that. Even if it's just a wee bit. That's right. And that's kind of that's relating fair. to Nick's dad. Now, not in the multi-billion kind of, I just got a phone call from Geneva kind of way, right. but in some, maybe from, you know, Tokyo. But sure. Like, that's right. You know. So anyway, I think that was as believable as it'll get as, it gets. as it gets. Though yearning for Chicago to be sixty degrees because I leave on Saturday <laughs> for a balmy Thanksgiving because that's, right. that's how much I love my in laws. So I actually had several relatable moments, which never happens. So I no, I, I made a list. I wrote them down. So one we already talked about, and that's the fact that Nick does not have the Hallmark guy hair. And I don't know why I put that down as relatable, actually, because he also doesn't really have hair that many people I know have or that I particularly like have a preference so, for. But it's not related. But it's not the Hallmark hair. So true. I appreciate that. Mixing it up a bit, Hallmark. Good job. 
Also, they live in a city, guys. We talked last week about Hallmark's apparent like city phobia and how, you know, the characters flee in last week's movie, both San Francisco and Seattle, because like, oh, no, you can't raise a child in a city. But these characters lived in Chicago, which is, of course, the second largest city in the United States of America, if I'm not mistaken. Or is it third after? I don't know. Whatever. Somebody else can look it up. It's It's really close. It's up there. And I I looked up this statistic. 80% of Americans live in urban areas, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Now, urban areas might in this definition include suburbs, but it certainly does not include like the small towns that horror movies usually take place in, such as like, you know, Evergreen, Vermont or whatever, which nothing against the Evergreen Vermonts of the world. They're perfectly fine and lovely. And I, you know, lived in a small town before I moved to Philly and liked it quite a lot. But, you know, mixed up a bit. It's not where most of us live. It's where I live in the suburbs of Philadelphia. There you go. There you go. Relatable. Relatable. Um, Chicago is number three. Chicago is number three. There we go. Behind Los Angeles. And New York. And New York. Philly's actually number five. All right. Comes Houston. Oh, sorry. No, you're Houston, forgetting Phoenix. Phoenix. Wait, Phoenix is bigger than Philly. Philly. What? It's warmer. Who wouldn't go to Phoenix? Phoenix. You can go. That's true. Sorry, guys. We, we do like to get our little Philly refs in there because that's where we're based here. And, you know, Philly people are competitive. None of us are from Philly originally, but we've sort of like taken on that's right. we have standing to, we for have to it. Stand if you will. for it. Yeah. Yes, take a stand. My next relatable moment was the fact that she has actual financial problems in the mm. form of, she has, seems to have problems with some sort of like insurance thing in the past, which is extremely relatable. And then of course with her father's bills and many Americans do have these problems. And then my favorite moment was when Julie gained class consciousness, which was of course that moment where she basically accused Nick of being in cahoots with the the billionaire class that was trying to she very quickly got over that. She very Amazingly. quickly got over it. but Because um, he was attractive. Because he was attractive. <laughs> well, we only have like 78 minutes to get this all done. <laughs> but really she, she did have like a solid like minute and a half of class rage. And I appreciated that. So yeah, shout out to class rage. Worth Hashtag class rage Hallmark. Let's make it a thing. So yeah, those were my relatable moments. That's cool. If I believe I suffer this frantic pace hard to explain the smile upon my face could it be christmas could it be christmas all right we're gonna talk a little bit about what we think could have been done better in this movie as we do every week uh for our red pen rewind and rewrite we felt a little disappointed in julie's career and not that you can be, and I'm not disappointing with teachers. I think teachers are probably one of the most important career choices out there. Well, but I think maybe but, what you're getting at, if I may interject, is course. that like there were like zero obstacles to this romance that would like make it at all interesting. Whereas in other Hallmark movies, we at least have like, oh, there's a job offer being considered that would take her someplace else or something, right? Yeah. And needless to say, they usually hardly ever pick that. They always pick the path to love. And we think Julie didn't even get that opportunity. Like she was just waiting for... Nick to to be the dude to fix all of her problems and not, you know, he literally fixed even her financial situation. So, you know, very, very unrealistic, this one. So, so there's a, there's a point in which Clem says, you're the science teacher that kids need. Oh yes. The science teacher that kids need. So what about uh, the next scene where her assistant principal, who frequently meets her for coffee and things like that, chit-chat? What happens if we do something there? Yeah, 
I think that sounds like a great idea. So perhaps they meet for coffee and, and maybe she could be asking about Nick, which does happen in the movie, but maybe instead she says, actually, Julie, I have nominated you for science teacher of the year and the grand prize of these 10 best teachers throughout the country is that you get to go to Houston and spend some time with NASA and surprise you won and you need to leave tomorrow. Okay, cool. Why is she just going to Houston though when like we could have her go to Mars? Maybe that's a part of it. Well, Mars is a little far away, don't you think? I mean, sure. We do have Tesla involved. Who knows? We, we could... Space station. Space International station. Space station. International space station. Okay. So does she, what does she do? She does she, this is obviously going to be very hard because in two weeks she has fallen in love with someone, which is absolutely ludicrous, but of course. Absolutely Hallmark. Absolutely Hallmark. So, but maybe now she's realizing that her career and her son maybe more matter a bit more than this guy. Uh, and this is a crazy opportunity for her and maybe even her son if she gets to bring him with her. Well, it's only a one, let's say, it's only like a one-year fellowship. Let's say they pick a uh, best science teacher off of each continent. So arguably you have seven. Uh, but, you know, you have a handful of teachers across the globe that meet for this kind of one-year exchange. Great. On the space station? In Houston okay. or in Goddard or in a sunny-like, NASA-like Florida location. And but ultimately she does she win some kind of best teacher of the world and now she gets to find out she's the best teacher of the galaxy shit best teacher of the galaxy how (laughs) how like are we first finding out whether a there's intelligent life b whether they teach science on those planets c whether like who their best science teachers are and d like maybe it's like lord of the flies but like battle of the teachers in space and they just have to see who can actually make it up there like survivor like so there's yeah. like 10 there's like a handful like a cohort like a class of science teachers that go and then amongst them within that one year fellowship they select whatever two um to actually go actually on mission so maybe in houston or florida or wherever they are they like live like they're in space in some kind of, I don't know, Truman story bubble where they like are battling it out to be the smartest scientist on the moon or in the space station or in Mar- on Mars, whatever. And then the ultimate winners get to take them and their loved ones, maybe, to the moon? To the moon. And then can they truly spend Christmas under the stars? No! Oh my God, that would be the best! Okay, so what's happening? Are the kid, what happens? Do do you think she has to say goodbye to Nick for this fellowship and her and Matt and maybe Clem comes to look after Matt? Possibly. She comes home on the weekend. One year later, she's not supposed to come home because they are in some compression chamber, 3G, and she surprises them by showing up at the Christmas lot on Christmas Eve. Oh my gosh. That could absolutely happen. Yeah. Let's do it. There's our ending. So but that's after it. Wait, but they still get to spend Christmas under the stars. Under the stars. Right? So maybe, but like in true Hallmark fashion, there's still a lot of time in the last 24 hours before Christmas right. to accomplish many, many things, including to go to space. I think could yeah, fit like in preparing that time. to go to space. That's I'm right. Like, yeah. So she turns up, and I can see her. Like 
I think she has a spacesuit on. Her like helmet's like under her arm. She has like a little kid helmet, maybe on her other arm. She walks in with mistletoe, holds it under uh, uh, over Nick's head. So she's asked to, by tradition, give him a kiss. That's right. And then, then they have to look at. She says to him, "Look, I only have a few hours here because I really <laughs> have another plane to catch." <laughs> Because I have to go have Christmas under the stars. Will you join me? Then, I don't know. what. Ha- how, how do they, what What happens on the moon? I don't think, get there? Or I do don't we think know? we care. I think that's where the movie ends. And then we can so talk about the sequel later. not the space station, but the moon. I think it's the moon. And then maybe, like, maybe they can see, like, Santa and his reindeer, like. Go by, As they're, like, you know how the, oh, at, at the end of other Christmas movies, there's always, like, Santa and the moon. Maybe they see him from the spaceship. They can see Santa. And Matt's like, oh my god, I believe forever. Does it matter that he has zero training or anything? I mean, it would, but it's a Hallmark movie. That's right. I I think she knows enough. And maybe she's like pointing out things. I think it ends with them like in the spaceship. And they're like having conversations. And like I said, you can see Santa and the reindeer. Or maybe Matt says, what's that red thing in the background? And it's like the glowing nose of Rudolph. It's like leading the sleigh on the mission. And even though you can't breathe in space and there's no sound in space, they still hear him call out, Merry Christmas to all. And to all, a good night. Seals the deal. Oh my gosh. We have a little bit of NASA sponsorship. Maybe like, I don't know. We definitely have to have a little bit of space a bit more involved. But the movie did, you know, they had all those like, fake planets and stuff and you know it was very space oriented and in fact i think this ending is more about christmas under the stars than the actual movie itself there we go there's actually very little to justify the title especially because only if you think about it especially because it was in the city like let's face it you can't see you can't see the stars and cities under the skyscrapers yeah, that's that's better title. Christmas under Mia's styrofoam solar system set. Christmas Sorry, under. Sorry, forgot about Mia. Mia was a kid in her class. Oh on. yeah, we forgot about her. Christmas by the Christmas tree lot. <laughs> Essentially, that's what it was really about. It wasn't really Christmas under the stars. But now, brought to you this year by NASA, Christmas under the stars, under the stars. and it's it's going to be amazing. And we will actually maybe learn a bit more about space and space travel and what it takes to train to be an astronaut because we will cover a bit of that in in a hallmark montage kind of moment i think i think so she'd have to do where that. no one throws up no one throws no up. and you just see her oh, like, and her hair her hair will be perfect oh even I'm under her helmet she's coarse perfect space hair she does because it's not gonna move ever it's like her hair was already suspended yeah. in yeah yeah zero gravity So let's, shall we go ahead and have a look at what we've got coming up? Yes, and I have to start by apologizing because I've unfortunately previewed some movies last week that were not actually on. But let's see what we got. Let me go to my app. Next week on the Hallmark Channel. Wait, a Bramble House Christmas? Is this a new one? Yeah, maybe. So we have on the Hallmark Channel on Saturday night, 
Christmas at Graceland, home for the holidays, which we did actually talk about last week in my misstep. So that one is on next weekend. We also have Cherished Memories, A Gift to Remember 2, which was also my bad. Then on Miracles of Christmas, we have Holiday Hearts, and we have our Christmas Love Song. But what we did miss... Ah, A Christmas Miracle? Is that one? I don't know. Yeah, this one we did miss, which was... It's actually called A Christmas Miracle. Yes. A Christmas Miracle is the one with two people of color. In the no, that lead. was A Christmas Duet. Not according to this on my app. Wait, could there be more than one movie starring two people of color? Wait, is there a Hallmark Homer? app? Oh, yeah. But we also have A Godwink Christmas Men for Love. Like, there's so many. So which one should we try and guess? What Can we, we the titles again? We have Holiday Hearts, Our Christmas Love Song, Christmas at Graceland, and Cherished Memories, which we did talk about last week. But Let's do Holiday Hearts, because... Well, I thought maybe this is like some kind of organ donor movie. Oh, crap. You might be right. <laughs> Holiday Hearts, man. Maybe... Okay, so who's died? And who's dying? Well, there's got to be some kind of tragic accident yeah um so it's unexpected sadness holiday Holiday hearts so it's it's not actually a love story but it's about transplant a transplant exactly that's what i think orphan adopted kid transplant okay so so who 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 gives the heart and who receives the heart or maybe it's a maybe a sick child would that be too harsh for homework well, but a sick child would have to receive a child's heart, right? Like, you couldn't have a child receiving well, an adult Well, but maybe heart. the sick child is dying, and they give their heart to another sick child that they met in the hospital. Okay, but then we have Hallmark to have their parents fall in love die. or something. No, you can't have a child die in a Hallmark movie. You could have, like, you know, a maybe grandparent having recently passed away or something. True, but is that too big a heart for a kid? Or maybe that, maybe, oh, maybe. What about kids? The, the old man donates his heart to a woman, and then the grandkid of that old man falls in love with the girl. That sounds I mean? about right. That sounds right. So, so grandpa dies. Grandson's all sad. He doesn't. He maybe he doesn't believe in organ donation. He's one of those people, and it's my grandfather. And you can't take the heart. Blah blah blah. And he's very upset about it. But his family does it against his wishes because they believe in the power of organ donation. Can you do that? I don't think you can do that against someone's wishes. Well, but maybe the kid doesn't really... He's not the power of attorney. Maybe the parents are the power of attorney. I thought it was an old man. The The old man... The parents, the the actual kids of the old man. This is the grandson. The old man uh, voluntarily donates his... The children of the old man. As opposed to the grandkids. The son has no say in it. And a young woman who's a single mom receives that and the grandson somehow meets this woman who received his grandfather's heart. Right. Right. Who meets her separately. And then in the storyline eventually finds out the reveal is that that was his grandfather's heart. Exactly. That's exactly where I think it's going to go. The spirit of his grandfather, the heart, the essence of his grandfather continues to live on in this one. I think that's definitely what this movie is about. And I think we can all... And they're brought together by love. 
So, I mean, because ultimately, of course, they, they will, will fall, fall in, in love. love. So we'll see you next week. It's actually quite a big week. So we got to make a bit of a plan of attack. We have the first weekend of normal movies. And then we have, of course, our big CCB festival starting Monday night, the week of Thanksgiving. So we haven't worked out our plan of attack. There's a lot of travel involved in Thanksgiving, but we definitely think we're going to be watching. We're going to hopefully incorporate quite a few guests to listen we also received our version of the Hallmark Christmas game bundle game, which we definitely want to get a bit of a review, get a bit of playing. We might test it out at some Thanksgiving family style things. So we look forward to that and we'll see you next week. We are now officially on lots of social media. Check us out at hallmarkedup.com, on Facebook at Hallmarked Up with Mary and Sarah, on Instagram at Hallmarked Up. And don't forget, we are now streaming on Apple Podcasts at Hallmarked Up. So subscribe, listen, and review. See you next week. Just before you go, in case you've been wondering, you've been hearing little snippets of the song Could It Be Christmas by King Teddy throughout this episode. Check him out at kingteddy.com. It's like the world to me Could it be Christmas? Could it be Christmas? Could it be Christmas? That